Woohoo! That was a close one. We look back on the game this weekend with Ole Miss escaping the Golden Hurricane from Tulsa and also start to look ahead towards Kentucky. And this week's lines, we're going to go over those as well. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. My name is Stephen Willis, your host on this magical mystery tour we call being an Ole Miss sports fan. Thank you very much for joining us today. And today I want to thank you. Thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. And also thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So do us a favor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications. And of course, upvote the video and comment. We'll have a good time. Post in a thread. Do everything that needs to be done. Thank you very much for that. Anyway. Let's get started real quick. Now, Ole Miss, I think I have identified a potentially fatal flaw of this team. It's four games in. We're getting ready for Kentucky, the biggest game of the season so far. And I think I've finally diagnosed this is a fatal flaw. Now, people are going to talk over and over. It's like, well, our pass protection isn't where it should be. We're not doing this right. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. None of that matters to me. That's all schematically and correctable. They'll, they'll get that done in practice. This thing that I'm concerned with might be something that is structural with this team and something we have to worry about going forward. And that is the center and quarterback exchange that just keeps over and over messing up. Now, I think Caleb Warren got injured maybe, but I think he appeared at guard later in the game. There may have been a change, but the one thing that was a real thing is the difference in these centers were, were it was stark. Now, I think the timing completely got thrown off in the run game and the pass game. The snaps were off a little bit left and right. Jackson Dart had to take his eyes downfield. We always talk about play calling and what's going on. And why do not why does Ole Miss not use the middle of the field? And I think some of it is because of this um, center quarterback exchange. A snap that Jackson Dart has to take his eye off the defender where he's supposed to make his read, and it's just not there. So he's having to come off of it pretty quickly. That screws everything up all of a sudden. The quarterback holds the ball a little longer. The offensive line blocks a little bit longer. And then you have all kinds of protection problems and timing issues that happens in your offense. And if it's something that is pretty consistent, you have a situation like the second half against Tulsa where it just doesn't look like it worked. There's just things that didn't work. If Like the third quarter against Troy, it just didn't work. And that was the last time we had major quarterback center exchange problems. Now, I bring this up here because 
it's good, A, that we know that this exists and that we are paying attention to what's going on and we're mindful of it. But in the SEC, against the teams that we're going to play, there's a chance that can get you beat, just like in 2020. If you remember correctly, Ole Miss and Alabama were going up and down the field on each other in 2020. Just completely insane. Then Ole Miss was driving down, had a bad snap, had to kick a field goal, and ended up losing the game because they were not going to stop Alabama that night. So that is an example of the center quarterback exchange just costing you an opportunity to win a game, costing you an opportunity to get an upset. It's the most important task that can be done in a football game. It can completely derail your offense if it is not clean. Now, if you remember correctly, I did three or four shows yesterday about the need for Ole Miss to play clean. And Ole Miss did not play clean. And you saw what would happen. It played out exactly like I said it would. If you want this thing to be um, stressful in the fourth quarter, do not play clean. Do not turn turn the ball over. Get penalties. Have operational issues. If you do that, that can lower your talent down, that advantage down to a certain level to where a G5 team can scare you a little bit. Now, let's be real about this game, seriously. It's over. Tulsa, in their first two drives, when they were still going off script, brilliant script. But after that, Ole Miss's defense gave up 13 points. And the winning touchdown was scored in the game. Ole Miss scored more points than they would need to win the game sometime in the middle to end of the second quarter. So, I think the game ending the way it was with the offense having trouble is a lot of the way we want to look at this. But, let's be real. This was a game that even in 2015 when Ole Miss went to the Sugar Bowl, Ole Miss lost this game. Ole Miss has a history of losing this game. And part of this is our fault as in the, I don't know, the media, the prognosticators, the commentators around the program saying since February, that we won't know anything until Kentucky. I'm as guilty of this as anybody. But we created that bear that we saw Saturday by doing that. And we should have known that that was going to happen. But Ole Miss was able to escape. And if you look at the scores and what's going on and how they're reacting, Kentucky is reacting exactly the same way. They had an eight-point win over Northern Illinois, who lost to Tulsa, by the way if you want to play the transitive game. Both teams were looking forward to 11 a.m. Saturday. Both teams were. Which, by the way, number eight Kentucky, number 11 in the coaches poll Ole Miss. Ole Miss is favored by five and a half points. The over-under is at 55 and a half. That's a little bit closer to that number that I'm, I'm okay with betting that. But any number in the 60s, I, I just, no. No, I, just, I, I didn't feel good doing that. Even as bad as Ole Miss played. So, 
the potential fatal flaw of this team exists in the quarterback or center quarterback exchange. It's something that we need to keep an eye on the rest of the year. Whenever we look at snaps, see where they're hitting the quarterback, see how consistent they are, see if he has to drop his eyes off of what he's doing. Because in an RPO offense, it's important that you kind of see what's going on downfield and make a quick decision. If you hold the ball, since the offensive line is run blocking, they usually find a way through. That's the reason pass protection could be um, an issue. If they hold the ball, it's going to be hard to have them through because they're run blocking. And if you hold the ball too much and get the pass off, there's a chance the offensive lineman is downfield. But it all starts with that center quarterback exchange. That is going to be a massive, massive story moving forward, especially against Kentucky. They have to get this operation cleaned up. Have to. If they don't get this operation cleaned up, they're looking at 7-5, and 8-4 and four with a team that is talented enough to win 10-11 ballgames. That is what this operation means. It's not that much of a difference between 8-4 and four and 10-2. and two, But it is oh so hard to make that jump. There's little things that has to be done right. And you're just, A, have supreme talent and... You can make plays along the way. Now, we're going to talk in the second segment of the show. Um, we had Bill Flowers on the postcast Saturday night, and he talked about the play calling a little bit. And I don't know if it's play calling so much. I think this center quarterback exchange might have something to do with it. But this play calling, the way we're working thing, there's a huge donut um, around the defense right now. And in the middle where that hole is, Behind the linebackers, what we talked about for four months preseason, Ole Miss is not attacking that area. Everything is downfield or outside the hashes. They're not attacking this the way that they used to. And I don't know if it's that center quarterback exchange. Is Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss um, trying to protect Jackson Dart? I, I'm not 100% sure, but there is a donut on the play selection and what's going on right now. What should be filled by Michael Trigg and by Jalen Robinson, Jordan Watkins, J.J. Henry, that group, there's just nothing happening right now. And that is a little bit of a problem as well. I mean, what, what, can, you, what can you really do, honestly? So, real quick, I do want to tell you about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have their access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So what you do, create a free profile on LinkedIn, right? Now, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile to spread the word that you are in fact hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
All right. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star review. Say whatever you want to say. Just make sure there's a five-star review on there. We would appreciate it very much. Also, don't forget to comment in the YouTube section below if you're watching it on YouTube. Tell us what we're wrong. Tell us what we're missing. Tell us something that we might not know. Um, so take care of that. Later on this week, by the way, Kara McCutcheon is going to announce the winner of last week's giveaway of a hat, and we'll have another giveaway for another hat as well. So tune in for that. I think that is Thursday's show that we are um, looking at that. So in the first segment, we talked about the potential fatal flaw that has emerged with this team. This is the one thing that if you don't look at anything else, you need to pay attention to that. Because that is the one thing that could bite Ole Miss in the butt and it might not be fixable. So pay attention to that. That's, that appears to be their fatal flaw right now. We've had two snaps and four games that have not made it back to the quarterback. One fumble, the other team scored. Quinshawn Judkin was quick to attack the second one, was able to record it, uh, recover it um, against Tulsa. Now, Quinshawn Judkins had 27 carries, 140 yards, and two touchdowns against Tulsa. That is a day. Have a day, son. That is amazing. Zach Evans had a little bit of a medical issue, had to go out. So Quinshawn basically had to carry the load because Ulysses Bentley, the fourth, also was not playing. Now, it's important for this game because everybody has feelings about how this game should go or how this game did go. And there was no Bentley. Zach Evans was out. Um, no Jalen Robinson. No J.J. Pegues. No Kari Coleman. There, there were some players down for a good portion of the second half. Um, Otis Reese was out for targeting. He'll miss the first half against Kentucky. These players being down, and that happens. And I don't know how they handle injuries on this team, what's going on, but they do seem to pile up from time to time. Now, sometimes they're fine, everything looks good, but sometimes they pile up on you. So I don't know exactly what's going on there. But understand that and take that into account whenever you make your opinion of what's going on in the football game. Everybody's like, well, this is an easy team that Ole Miss should have destroyed. Well, no, A, it was not an easy team. They were on the two-yard line with a chance to upset Cincinnati last year um, and was 40-20 to losers at Ohio State. This is a team that can score. This is a good team. And I've told you for two or three months that this, this was the best non-conference team that Ole Miss would play. Now, everybody's like, well, what about the run game? Well, do not freak out about this run game in this Tulsa game. Do not freak out about that. This was a defensive scheme that was built up to stop the pass. And they came out throwing the ball and did very well. Davis Brin had an excellent day um, until he got injured. But they went down the field. They scored 14 points in the first quarter. Davis Brin got injured. They brought in Braxton, Braylon Braxton or something like that. I think that's his name. Um, and he was a runner. He's a wildcat guy. So they were going to do some stuff on the ground. So he threw for like the rest of the day 60 yards. But he was able to be mobile enough to avoid sacks. Almost had 10 quarterback hurries in this game, but no sacks. And that was largely due to how well that Braxton was able to move around in the pocket. Now, was he overly successful? No, not really. And this game, honestly, was never really in doubt. 
the closest it got was in the beginning of the fourth quarter when Tulsa cut it to eight, but I'm not 100% sure they caught they crossed much past midfield after that point. So the defense gave up 13 points after giving up 14 in the first quarter. Defense kind of corrected itself. Now there's some things that's going to be fixed, and this game was absolutely what was necessary leading into Kentucky. You want a team that Lane Kiffin has their attention? You've got it now. And it was mainly because of basically all of that that I just told you. Now, Quinshawn Judkins, like I said, 140 yards, two touchdowns. This guy is a man, and he might be the best running back on a team that has Zach Evans, as good as he is. I've I've been on Quinshawn Judkins since the beginning, since it all started, and told you how special he could be. And then to see it happening before my eyes, it, it makes me feel good. Like my three... True freshmen to watch were Davidson, Nick Manusen, Quinshawn Judkins, and Xavion Harris. And all three of them are playing. Xavion um, played considerable minutes against Tulsa because J.J. Pegues was out. So they took an opportunity to make sure everybody got well in time for Kentucky. They obviously did that. Kentucky is going to come down here with all kinds of a piss and vinegar in their blood to try and get the win. This is a top 10 team coming to Oxford. I think they're seventh in the AP, eighth in the coaches poll. And Chris Rodriguez is going to come back for this game. We're going to talk about that when we start going over the keys. But operational, this team has to be much more locked in this this week. People don't realize how much operation all these operational little things can add up on a team. And the difference between a good team and a great team is often those operational mistakes. Don't get penalties. No linemen downfield. Don't turn the ball over. Stuff like that. Just play clean. If you do that, you will be all right. Because this team is supremely talented. You can see it all over the field. This is a really really talented football team. And when you look at what this team could be, you can honestly look at it 11 and 1, 10 and 2. You can see that on the talent when they flash. That second quarter was an 11 and 1 team that was playing even against Tulsa. That third quarter was a 7 and 5 team, 6 and 6 team. So you saw both ends of our floor and ceiling that we said was possible on this show. In one game. Now, now that I told you the takeaways, basically, let me explain this, okay? Being a college football fan, and I know I realize that I am a different guy. I do not dwell. I do not talk trash. I do not do all of this other stuff that other people do. That that doesn't, doesn't necessarily interest me. I understand if you do it, absolutely fine. But, a college football fan, you take their last data point and you just send it out to infinity. So let's go go back against Georgia Tech, okay? They did that to Georgia Tech, and the data point was there. And all of a sudden, everybody just took that and just extended that to the end of the season. The whole season is going to look like this. Now, the same thing is true of Tulsa. 
They take that data point and they do the whole season looking like that. And you hear things like, oh, that won't work against an SEC team. You can't do that on an SEC team. Even against Georgia Tech, somebody said, well, an SEC team, you can't run the ball on third and eight. I was like, we've done that for two years in SEC games. He's not doing anything any different than he normally does. Uh, this past, I, one of these things, when I read these comments all the time, is like, who, who is this mythical SEC team that can do no wrong? I can understand Alabama. Yeah, you want to say, okay, Alabama would pick that off. You know, I'd probably potentially agree with that. Alabama would make this play. You probably can't run the ball on third and eight against Alabama. I understand that. That makes a little bit of sense to me. Alabama is a standard in this league. But you can do it against Mississippi State. You can do it against Vanderbilt, LSU, even against Arkansas or A&M. You can do it against them. And it's like, are they not this mythical SEC team that you're talking about? Because if you're talking about Alabama and Georgia, talk about Alabama and Georgia. But don't let, don't, lump Arkansas in with Alabama because that's apples and oranges at this point and it has been for five years don't lump Mississippi State in with Alabama and Georgia that's apples and oranges now people have said including me I mean I fell for this, this trap a little bit as well we won't really know what this team is made of until after Kentucky Kentucky is here and I still say now, after I thought about it, the one question that really gets answered after the Kentucky game, the one thing that we need at Kentucky for, is how much of a challenge is we're gonna, are we going to put on Alabama? When Alabama comes into the town in mid-November, how much of a challenge are they going to get? That's the only question from the Kentucky game. The rest of the question is just a football game. Because all of these games are individual data points, up and down. They're going to do it. Coaches say you can only get players up three or four times a year. The rest of them, you try and do the it's business-like thing. But these are 19, 20-year-old kids. They've heard this noise for the last six months of everybody's talking about Kentucky this, Kentucky that, Kentucky this, Kentucky that. Will game day be in town? Well, it's going to be SEC Nation, but all of this getting inside that building and inside their head is absolutely not only possible, it's likely. And Tulsa was set up as the ultimate trap game. And it was a trap game of our own creation. Because Tulsa was always the best non-conference team we were going to play period. But whenever we start at poke, on pointing at Kentucky, we need to do well in this game. We need to do well in this game. What, what happens um, after Kentucky? That's, that's so important. We'll know so much by then. What's going to happen then? That took all of the focus off of Tulsa. And if you don't believe me, think of the way you felt going into the game against Tulsa. It was like, okay, yeah, yeah, we, we should win this pretty easily. Because Everybody said that that game didn't matter. But Tulsa, like I told you, would not be intimidated going into Vault Hemingway Stadium. 
They played games like this. They are giant scares. They don't actually win them, win the games. They haven't gotten to that point, but they scared the heck out of teams um, on their schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Anyway, when we come back, we are going to do weekly SEC lines um, right here. So stick around. All right. Thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications when we release a new video. And, of course, upvote the video itself. We'd appreciate it. Only seven lines this week. So I did need to talk a little bit last segment. Too long, you know. But I knew this wouldn't take as much time. Now, we start off the day with two no-line games. Um, Eastern Washington at Florida. Um, I, it, it's a game that I don't know what's going to happen. Florida has been very Jekyll and Hyde um, this season. They beat Utah. They lose to um, Kentucky. They barely beat South Florida and looked horrible doing it. But then they lost to Tennessee and looked really good. So they're very much Jekyll and Hyde going into this game. Eastern Washington shouldn't perform be that much of a test. I think the Gators are going to come out of this three and two, but it just is what it is. The other one is South Carolina State at South Carolina. It's a no-line game. Same thing. I mean, take care of business, win the game, run the ball, win the game. That's what Shane Beamer needs to do. This is a game they should win fairly easily. So both of those, I'm okay with that. Ole Miss is a a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Kentucky. The over-under is set at 55.5. So this game is brought to you by the number five. This is going to be an interesting game. Now, this line being as big as it is, I'm a little bit surprised. I had it at Ole Miss at two, Ole Miss at three. Basically a pick them, but Ole Miss getting the points for home field. But Ole Miss, they say, they're basically two, two and a half points better with a three-point home field. Now, I expect Vault Hemingway to be sold out. The stripe out is happening this weekend, although I have my um, doubts of whether or not we will be able to pull that off. The fan base um, struggles, we'll say, even with, um, hey, wear red, red shirts this week and then wear blue shirts next week. So there's some buy-in there, so we'll see exactly what it looks like as well. But Ole Miss is a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home over the Wildcats. Bama's only favored by 15 on the road at Arkansas. Arkansas basically doinked off the top of the ups, upright in a loss to Texas A&M in the Southwest Classic in the weekend. It was a pretty good game. It had a weird fumble return. K.J. Jefferson apparently tried to launch and take off from about the four-yard line. We couldn't figure out whether or not he was going to make it at all, but he was able to not make it, end up fumbling the ball. A&M was able to get it and return it. So A&M, then Alabama, should be interesting for the Razorbacks. A&M is on the road in Starkville. State is a two-point favorite at home. This should be fun, honestly. State's defense potentially can handle A&M's offense. Um, A&M's defense Obviously, DJ Durkin has experience for what he does um, going against that Mississippi State offense. I expect a low-scoring game. This might be a pound-the-under type game. 
It could be 17 to 13, 14 to 10, something like that as well. So pay attention to that. LSU minus seven at on the road um, versus Auburn. Auburn and Missouri played the worst football game I've ever seen. It, it, it just completely blew my mind. Both teams were actively trying to lose that game, it seemed like. It was like that episode of South Park where the kids were trying to lose a Little League game. That's what it looked like. And Auburn was able to win because they didn't want to lose more, I guess. Or I, 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 I don't know. But they were able to win in overtime because the Missouri player dropped the ball going into the end zone and Auburn recovered it. Anyway, LSU favored by seven. Georgia is a 26.5-point favorite over Missouri. Missouri defensively is playing fine. Um, I don't know how they're going to be able to generate an offense against this Georgia team, but they're playing pretty fine um, defensively. So that 26 number, it could be a 35 to 10 maybe. I could see that. 42 to 10, somewhere in there. Um, Maybe it's 35 to 3 and kind of blows it out of the water, but we'll see exactly what happens there. Anyway, that is your week five lines. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Anyway, get more on the SEC by making Locked on SEC your second listen. Everyday host Chris Gordy and his local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. Locked On SEC. Um, Chris Gordy will be on the show this week along with we'll be doing a crossover show with the Locked On Kentucky, Locked On Wildcats people. So should be really cool right there. So anyway, thank you for tuning in to this show. Tune in all week as we do big things. We're going to try and get Bill Flowers on a little bit later in the week to do a preview of the game. We're going to treat this Ole Miss-Kentucky game like the big game it's supposed to be treated like. So we're excited. We've got some stuff on the fire that we're trying to put together for you guys. So tune in for that. So thank you very much, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.